You're listening to HSBC Talks Business. Learn how businesses like yours are leveraging a wide range of banking solutions to maximize their success and how HSBC is helping them. Listeners should note that this episode has been recorded remotely, therefore the sound quality may vary. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Business Plan for the Planet podcast, a series centered around ESG insights. In these episodes, you'll hear from experts whose work is at the heart of sustainability-linked trends and opportunities, as well as from businesses that are delivering change for a better future for us all. Join us as we shine a spotlight on their commitment to a sustainable future. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Business Plan for the Planet. My name is Will Longhurst, Head of Business Development and Sustainability Champion at HSBC Business Banking Singapore. Today, we're talking about Sepure, and Sepure has a plan, a plan for sustainable industrial chemical separation with lower energy consumption. Today, we're talking to Dr. Mohamed Farahani, Sepure's founder, CEO, and CTO, and Dr. Hafiz Osman, VP for Business Development. Sepure is a sustainability-focused startup in Singapore that hopes to make the process of separating and purifying chemicals cleaner and more energy efficient. In fact, that's how the company got their name. Sepure is derived from the word separation and purification. The company is fast growing and quickly attracting significant attention. Following pre-seed funding in 2018, they then raised seed funding in 2019 of more than two and a half million dollars, led by US deep tech investor SOSV. They've also received a grant from the Canadian government. So what has all these investors so excited? The answer lies in Sepure's revolutionary nanofiltration technology, which separates chemicals without the need for heat. This process is 90% more energy efficient, emits 90% less greenhouse gases, and is 50% more economical. And it's an incredibly exciting innovation. To find out more about this idea, where it came from, and just how it works, we're very privileged to be joined by Dr. Farahani and Dr. Osman from Sepure. Dr. Farahani founded Sepure back in 2018, but the original idea came from research he conducted during his PhD in Singapore in 2015. He has an illustrious list of awards and recognition, including being named Founder of the Year by Techno Global. We're also joined by Dr. Osman, who looks after business development and operations at Sepure, and has very recently joined the company after previous experience in clean technology and engineering. Dr. Farahani, Dr. Osman, thank you very much for being here. And firstly, um, just to kick things off, how are you? And also, where are you, where are you joining the podcast today from? Hello, Will. Thank you so much. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, I'm joining the podcast from Calgary, Alberta. Great. Thank you for being here. Dr. Osman? Hi, Will. It's good to be here. I'm joining from Singapore. Excellent. And I'm also also sitting in Singapore. I think the fact that, that we've got, got you joining from Singapore and, and Canada is a, is a sign already of how international your business has become. Um, and I know that's something something we'll talk about as we get into the into the podcast. But perhaps, um, Dr. Farhani, if I, if I start with you with my first question, um, when we think of sustainability, I think people often think about the very visible examples, um, cycling to work, using renewable energy, switching off the lights, eating locally produced food and doing recycling. But a little known fact is that 15% of the total global energy consumption is used for industrial chemical separation. 
a process that most of us will not know very much about or even be aware of how energy intensive it is. So perhaps you can distill what I know has been at least six years of research uh, down into a few minutes and, and give us a bit of a, a crash course on perhaps why, why industrial chemical separation is essential to human living. Yeah, so that's a great question to get us started with. So um, we use chemical you know, uh, processes uh, in, in uh, all the industries, including food, pharmaceutical, petrochemical, semicon, and oil refinery. And all these industries are using chemical separations in uh, one way or another. And all these chemical separation processes uh, are energy intensive at the moment. So one of the examples is distillation that we use uh, in industry. And this simply uses heat for the chemical separation. Uh, so with like uh, distillation, we heat up, uh, you know, a mixture of liquids and one of them with lower boiling point will be evaporated. And we have to use another, you know, source of energy to condense it back to liquid. And all these actually consumes enormous amount of energy. And when we actually put all this together in all industries, we'll see $3.6 trillion every year uh, is the cost of energy we use in these chemical separation processes. It's a little bit weird that we are using this uh, distillation for thousands of years while we have all the technologies already you know, revolutionized and we are still using the same old fashioned process. It's a, um, it's a huge number. It's a huge number in terms of the percentage of energy consumption. It's a huge number in terms of the cost. Um, and I think it's a huge impact in terms of the effect on, on the environment. So perhaps can you, can you help us understand a little bit about um, you know, why the process has continued for so many years without, without innovation? As you said, it's, a, it's been a process which has been around for, for a large number of years in terms of the technology that's used. So, so why hasn't it changed? Why hasn't there been an innovation in this space? We had some sort of innovation uh, replacing distillation for water desalination around 40 years ago when reverse osmosis membrane came to the market for water desalination. And now we are, we are seeing that over 90% of the water in the U.S. is produced by uh, membranes. Um, almost 100% or 95% um, uh, and more basically in Middle East is produced by membranes. I would say around uh, very close to 100% of the water in Singapore is produced by membrane in the industries. So that revolution has happened for water, replacing the heat-based uh, water desalination processes to membrane ones. And the reason we haven't seen this for uh, chemical separation is because we need a chemically resistant and robust membrane in order to apply them for these chemical separation processes. Because the conventional water membranes, if you put them in touch with these organic solvents, they will be either dissolved or, uh, you know, uh, dysfunction. So they cannot be used. And uh, that's why uh, Singapore government, especially uh, Singapore Prime Minister's office, uh, NRF, uh, they actually allocated $10 million sing dollar, uh, grant uh, when I was basically back in NUS. Uh, to explore uh, new ideas and new membranes that are chemically resistant and robust for this application. I think it's it's a fascinating story and very, very interesting to see that, that even back then there was a, a lot of support for, for your idea. Many thanks for that. So if we if we wind the clock back a little bit to, to the beginning, back to 2015, where, where the idea originally came from, can you talk a little bit about how Sepia got started, maybe specifically around what inspires you to make the breakthrough in the technology? 
I was doing actually a project uh, for wastewater treatment for petrochemical applications. And I was basically going to these refineries and petrochemical complexes um, almost every week. And I was looking at these huge distillation towers there that they are doing chemical separations and liquid separation. And I was wondering while I'm using membrane for water application, why shouldn't we use membranes for chemical separation processes? And that was the, the things that I wanted to do basically during my PhD, because I had like ample time to focus on a new technology and develop it based on what I've uh, basically learned during my master's on membrane fabrication. So uh, the idea is originally coming from the project that I did for petrochemicals for wastewater treatment. I think it's always interesting when you talk to founders about what you might sort of classify as the aha moment, you know, that moment where you, you identified a kind of a use for an existing technology, but in a different way to solve a different problem. And in terms of, you know, Dr. Farhani, when you had the original idea um, and you, I imagine st you started talking about the idea with peers, colleagues, um, staff at the university, what was the reaction initially? Did people kind of jump on board straight away? Was there a bit of a process of trying to convince people that it was going to work? Did you have to deal with some objections? I mean, how, how was that initial kind of phase of, of the journey? Yeah, so when I was talking to my professor, he is the best membrane scientist in the world. So he understand uh, the need for this technology. And he told me, yeah, let's do it. And when I was talking to other people that are like, uh, you know, uh, less experienced in the area. So they were telling me, you can't publish so many paper in these new fields. And you just better focus on what are, you know, application that's your already uh, your expertise and then you can graduate faster. But I wanted to actually tackle this challenge. And uh, yeah, so I'm a challenge taker, basically. So I wanted to focus on something new and do something meaningful. I think a lot of the founders have talked about that, that moment where they've been told they can't do something. Um, it would never work. It's not possible. It's too ambitious. It's too difficult. And I think a lot of the founders, I've, as I said, I had the privilege to meet. Um, that's actually a big motivation, you know, big kind of reason to, to prove people wrong and prove people that you, you can do what you, what you say you want to do. So what was the reaction like when you first started having the conversation with both investors, but also some of the big MNCs, the downstream companies that you obviously were hoping to, to, to work with as, as clients of Sepure in the future? So a lot of deep tech investors, they really understand the, uh, the, the problem. And when I explain to them, like how much energy you consume in the world, and I show them a few, you know, facts and numbers, they were all interested and wanted to actually explore further. So they invited a lot of their friends who were professors in universities to join the discussion, to understand a little bit more about the technology. And they were very, you know, all of them very excited. But when it comes to customers who wanted to use the technology, so I would say the job, my job was easier because a lot of them, they already thought about using membrane, but there was no good membrane out there in the market to use. So some of them, they even tried water membrane and it failed because water membrane is not designed for chemical separation. So for me, the job wasn't convincing them to use the technology. It was just introducing that we have this chemical resistant membrane that uh, it's solving your problem. They were happy to uh, be on board for pilots and trials and uh, continuing to uh, industrial scale. 
It's interesting you say that because I think knowing some of the, the companies that you work with and, and want to work with more in the future, you would look at them and think these companies have huge R&D budgets. They've got reams of people trying to solve these problems. So it's, it's interesting that, that, that they weren't able to crack it. But once you were able to bring a fresh idea, they were obviously very keen. I think one of the things we we see a lot is that particularly for more traditional businesses, you know, they only know what they know and they're used to operating in a certain way. And of course, an important part of getting to the right answer is framing the question differently. Um, so as you said, you know, thinking not just with the existing membranes, what can we do with them, but how can we how can we bring innovation and, and try and try and do new things? So back in the in the early days of Sepia, did you were you always very clear about what you wanted the uh, the sustainability impact of the company to be, or were you more focused on trying to trying to commercialize, trying to make sure the the, the financials were going to be strong and the genuine addressable market. What was the kind of initial initial view? I think these are kind of integrated. So these days, uh, you know, companies are paying carbon tax. And it, it, it makes a lot of sense if a technology uh, works for them from the environmental aspects. I was thinking always about economics of the, uh, you know, process we are offering in financial terms and environmental terms. And that really helped us to uh, engage more customers and big uh, companies. So big companies, they have like ESG mandates that they have to actually obtain. So discussing this with them, that they can actually reduce their energy consumption, they can reduce their water usage, they can actually reduce their carbon uh, emission. And at the same time, they can save money. It was just ticking all the boxes that they need to see. So it gives like uh, just extra benefits for them to use the technology rather than just reducing the energy consumption and uh, reducing their cost at the end of the day. I think that's that that's exactly right. And it's one of the most interesting things that more and more businesses are starting to wake up to the fact that we don't pursue these initiatives just because they're sustainable. The sustainability benefits are important, but you know, there's good hard commercial benefits in terms of better margins, revenue growth, de-risking. The MNCs have started to wake up to that. And clearly a, a very sustainability focused company like Sepia is right at, right at the forefront of that. Dr. Osman, perhaps if I, if I turn to you, to you next. So we've talked a little about, bit about the, the history of, of Sepia, the original idea where it came from. I'm interested in your thoughts as to, to the future um, and particularly the, the commercial strategy. So, you know, your thoughts around perhaps the kind of companies that Sepura is going to be able to support and grow within the future, and maybe a little bit about your, your commercial plan and how you see, see your role in, in business development. Sure. So we are interested to work with companies that already has sustainability woven into their corporations, which includes investment priorities and resource allocation. So the lowest hanging fruit for us are uh, companies that have adopted internal policies to quickly advance their sustainability objectives and establish a science-based commitment to reduce emissions across their value chain. So we are currently focused on the vegetable oil market, but we want to help as many companies as possible reduce their carbon footprint and ultimately improve their bottom line. So when it comes to technology implementation, cost has always been a barrier for most companies at least especially when significant investments have already been made to build their chemical plants and their production facilities. So there is this sunk cost mentality that since they have already invested so much, might as well just continue doing what they do. And instead of a bottom-up approach to climate action, 
companies actually try to look for incremental solutions to reduce their carbon footprint. So what happens is you see companies implement things like energy recovery devices, finding ways to optimize the processes, purchasing carbon credits and other, I would say, piecemeal solutions that saves a few percentage here and there. And while there's nothing wrong with this approach, because ultimately everyone is doing their part for the environment, but if we are serious about achieving, say, two degrees above pre-industrial target by 2050, then we need something more transformative. And I believe that Secure is providing that technology that provides immediate carbon reduction in a high two-digit percentage point, right? And the reason our technology can achieve this is because we are driving a change in chemical separation from one that is thermally driven to one that, that is um, mechanically driven. So in terms of our market entry and go-to-market strategy is currently we are focused on implementing our technology in the vegetable oil industry in Singapore, in Southeast Asia, USA, Europe, Canada, where our honey is. So for vegetable oil application, we have completed a pilot project with a local um, company and we are um, swiftly moving into semi-industrial phase. Um, at the same time, we are in the middle of a pilot project with a large Japanese vegetable oil refiner, um, which is actually a, a three-phase contract that we have signed with them. And we are at the tail end of the first phase, and we are going into um, um, industrial, um, semi-industrial scale implementation as well. And eventually, that will lead to a full-scale implementation at their processing facilities in Singapore and other facilities in Asia. In the long term, I think um, we need to think about how to reduce the barriers to implementation for, for companies that wants to meet their carbon reduction targets and their ESG mandates. How do we actually reduce the barriers to implementation by some kind of financing? So that is something that we are thinking about now. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. It's, uh... It's clearly a very busy time with multiple pilot projects going on um, across the world. And perhaps, perhaps Dr. Farhani, to turn, turn back to you, I know you're, you're in Canada at the moment. Can you perhaps share a little bit around how the, how the Canadian expansion is going, how your experience has been um, kind of getting the business up and running in, in Canada? Yeah, so um, it's very well aligned with what we want to achieve with helping, you know, most, comp uh, most of the companies in the world. So... Uh, we actually partnered with Emission Reduction Alberta to focus on um, vegetable oil industry in Alberta and generally in Canada to reduce their emission uh, through uh, providing them with our technology. And we have a project partner um, in Alberta, which is one of the biggest uh, you know, uh, vegetable oil producer in the world, that they have a big facility in Alberta. And uh, we're doing the project with them and uh, it's already started with the pilot phase and it goes all the way to industrial implementation over two years. And uh, so this project is uh, funded by uh, CEPIUR, uh, the industrial partner and Emission Reduction Alberta. And the grant from Emission Reduction Alberta is 1.8 million Canadian dollar. So it shows the commitment towards this uh, new technology uh, that's coming from Singapore, but it's helpful for Canada. So that's why they want to invest and they want to actually take this um, a step towards a more sustainable vegetable oil industry in Canada. As you know, canola oil is one of the most important, uh, you know, vegetable oils we use uh, every day. And Canada is the biggest producer of canola oil. 
one third of the canola that Canada produce is being produced in Alberta. So that's why they wanted to put like uh, uh, long-term huge investments uh, on achieving, you know, sustainable goals in producing canola oil. I think it's a, it's a real uh, real sign of the the innovation and the ambition of the business that you've been able to to receive the backing obviously of the the government in in Canada as well as the backing from from the government and some of the academic institutions in Singapore as well and I think clearly we're seeing you know joining up of the ambitions for governments around the world to work with businesses large and small to try and accelerate the pace at which some of this new technology solves um, solves sustainability focused problems. So on that theme, I mean, what's your experience been like working with with these large companies? Um, because there's a there's a there's a size difference at the moment, and we know Sepia is growing. Uh, we know there's very ambitious plans, but what's your experience been like of kind of working with those slower moving, larger um, MNCs versus you as an, an agile, nimble uh, startup? Yeah, so uh, a lot of times we believe that uh, big companies are slow moving because they have a lot of, you know, layers of operation. Uh, but interestingly, one of the fastest, uh, you know, customer we onboard recently is the biggest vegetable oil company in the world. So it happened uh, so quickly from the discussion all the way to already starting the pilot and getting good results on the pilot. Yeah, so, but... At the end of the day, uh, it's about like finding the right people in, in those companies to talk to, those who are responsible for achieving the goals that we want to achieve, and those who are responsible to uh, bring other people uh, you know, on the table to, to sit and discuss what CPU can actually do for them. And um, yeah, those people who can really decide on the next steps. So if you can find these people in these organizations, uh, it's going to actually make the life a lot easier to come up with a solution and start the project. And Dr. Osman, one of the things you, you mentioned earlier was um, having to deal with this sunk cost argument when you're having, having discussions with customers, you know, especially for big companies, um, our focus tends to be on incremental improvement, how we, how we drive an extra percentage of efficiency out of an existing process. And it can be hard sometimes for established industries to um to get their heads around thinking differently trying different things so yeah you know, what, what have you learned so far and from what you've seen of sepia in terms of how to try and um deal with that sunk cost argument and perhaps um you know what 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 can you do more in the future in terms of accelerating that pace of changing the way that the, the companies are thinking this sunk cost mentality i mean um i, I myself come from a corporate well, so and there are layers of um, approval before any project, especially million dollar projects can 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 go through. But one way that we have been successful, our early successes is mostly because we are able to convince our customers that they are able to achieve an ROI within a relatively short period. And beyond that break-even point, they are actually going to be um, cash flow positive if comparing the um, business as usual approach uh, versus uh, a new approach via a CPR solution. And so that is mainly um, how we approach our customers. Thank you. I think, um, you know, what you, what you just said there around it makes business sense. Um, business as usual can't carry on. Um, it will eventually get to the point where the cost of not being green far outweighs the cost of just making the changes that, that we're encouraging businesses all around the world to make. 
Um, thank you for that. And just one final question, maybe on, on the strategy of the business. I mean, you've talked about the opportunity within, um, within the vegetable oil space. Um, you've also talked about the opportunity for um, the technology to be applied to many other verticals, many other industries as well. So, you know, for a business that is, that's at the early stages of growth, like Sepure, how do you balance the temptations of going after many sectors at once versus going after one sector in depth? How are you thinking about that challenge at the moment? I think the most important thing for startups like us is to be focused because we don't have a lot of resources to actually put into different things and at the same time, um, you know, see all of them are progressing. So we have to be focused and that's why we've chosen this market to be our first focus. At the same time, we put aside like 20%, I would say, of our time and energy to work in other uh, industries and uh, create some use cases and uh, work with you know, our potential customers for future applications. So one of those industries is semiconductor that we are having like some pilots ongoing with, uh, with the customers. Um, some of the uh, other application would be in energy uh, industry for hydrocarbon separation that we also have some uh, pilots ongoing with the customers. But in instead of like putting a lot of energy in-house uh, we are trying to actually engage customers to invest in the R&D um, and, uh, you know, use our membranes for the separation themselves and try to, you know, uh, come up with a process that our membranes works for them. And in that case, we're reducing the, the time we spend on these applications uh, to develop the market and our customers are helping us in that matter. So that's how we we can actually you know, see other markets and the applications and use cases without putting so much focus on those internally. So I'm hearing, hearing your focus, but you're also never sitting still. Always have to have one eye on the future. Um, and when you've got a technology where the use cases can be as broad as, uh, as, as you have, you know, why would you not look, at the, look to the future as well? Um, so I think what, what stood out for me from what we've talked about is that, um, you know, being fast growth, being profitable, being commercially ambitious is, is not at odds with an ambition to be green. Um, increasingly, these things are moving hand in hand. They're integrated, as you said. Um, and I think we all acknowledge that successful businesses of the future are going to be those that can balance that sustainability agenda against, you know, still delivering revenue, still delivering profit, still delivering growth. Um, that's the, the, the challenge and the direction we're all, all moving in. Um, maybe just to, to head in a slightly different direction, I think, I mean, Dr. Farhani, we, we met um, earlier this year and I was, I was very impressed when we, we visited the, um, the operation in Singapore. You showed me some of the, um, the technology. Um, we talked through the ambition, the scale of, of the plans for the business. Um, perhaps you can share a little bit more about what you were looking for from a bank at that point, um, both in terms of you know, how a bank can help Sepure at the stage you are now, but also as you continue to grow and internationalize. Yeah, so um, it's very interesting to see HSBC is one of those banks that are really good to work with in case they're, they're very smooth in uh, transactions and trying to actually uh, help clients wherever in the world. So HSBC is one of the, the banks that if you want to go global, you can actually have uh, all your you know, subsidiaries under one umbrella because they operate in most locations. So that was one of the motivation. Another thing that I was impressed personally was uh, we wanted to open a bank account for a subsidiary in Hong Kong. And due to travel restrictions, we couldn't travel there. 
And HSBC was one of the banks that, uh, you know, really helped us with like remotely opening a bank account in, in Hong Kong through their branches in Singapore. And that's, uh, you know, how a global, you know, bank can help uh, companies, uh, which was very fascinate, uh, fascinating. And, and uh, a lot of uh, other uh, stuff about HSBC comes to uh, the plan HSBC has for uh, allocating some financial uh, resources for clean tech and green technologies development that uh, maybe uh, you can actually uh, the, uh, share a little bit more on that. Uh, but uh, eventually in future, we're going to actually use a lot of those services from HSBC. It's good to hear that the the experience of, of, of starting to work with us has been smooth. I think um, HSBC has perhaps long been known as a, as a good international partner, a good partner to help businesses go global. Um, what we're looking to do more and more in the future is also be a good partner to businesses looking to go green at the same time. And so as you, as you suggested, we're we're very focused on supporting businesses like yours that are you know, radically changing industries and doing it with a very clear sustainability agenda at the same time as just being a, a high quality growth business. Um, and as you mentioned, increasingly, we're looking at being able to provide uh, green finance to support that growth, um, to be able to provide the financing for you to pursue the projects you want to pursue, for you to be able to invest in the technology, for you to be able to expand to new markets. And I think one of the advantages of HSBC is we can we can stand by a company like you as you grow. Um, you grow, you know, bigger in revenue terms. You grow bigger in terms of your international coverage. Um, and increasingly, the green finance agenda is something we're we're very focused on. We've come out with a big commitment, as I think I may have shared with you before, around targeting up to one trillion dollars worth of green financing, um, which is obviously a huge number. So. The more we can work with companies that are that have good opportunities to invest that financing, good projects that we can support, I think is is very exciting. Um, has you considered green finance previously, Dr. Fahani, as a, a way of supporting the business, or, or, or is it something that's relatively new on your agenda? Yeah. So um, once we had the discussion earlier this year, we were thinking about like a, a business model that we can actually. Uh, be partner with our customers to implement the technology without actually charging them initially and uh, use green financing to, to pay for the capital costs. And we start charging them, you know, um, on a subscription model, uh, monthly basis. And then that can actually uh, be one of the most important things that uh, we can actually benefit from this green financing. It helps our customers without putting uh, any initial um, you know, capital into this change. And over time, they can see the, the improvements of their, uh, you know, um, cost savings as well as the, the, the carbon emission and everything. And um, so HSBC is going to actually facilitate that through um, green financing of these projects. So that's one of the interesting aspects that I was uh, thinking about. That's also one of the exciting things from our perspective. You know, there's a good opportunity for us to build a bit of an ecosystem here where you're developing the technology, your customers are interested in it. We want to bring down the barriers to entry, we want to make it easy for them. Financing is one of the ways we do that. Um, so being able to come in and support you, grow your business, support your customers, uh, lower those barriers, encourage them to take action today, not tomorrow, um, I think is a win-win is a situation. And those are increasingly rare so it's always nice when a win-win comes comes along like that um, we're certainly very excited about about continuing to work with you
Um, so maybe maybe just looking a bit beyond um, beyond the business. Um, so we know that launching a business and, and becoming an entrepreneur is, is not for the faint-hearted. Um, it's clearly blood, sweat, and tears involved, and that's without the additional pressure of trying to revolutionise an entire industry um, as well as saving the planet. So, as a founder, Dr. Farhani, I mean, what what personal advice would you would you offer for for people that are perhaps looking to to launch a new business? maybe specifically a business that has a has a clear sustainability business plan? Yeah, so the, the most important step is to find a problem to solve. So if they can find a problem and the problem is huge, <clears throat> that their uh, customers are willing to pay for that problem to be solved, that's already a bigger step and they can get started with providing them with that solution and creating that solution. No, I love that advice. It's very practical. Um, find a problem and... You know, maybe, maybe luckily, maybe not luckily, there is no shortage of problems in the world at the moment. So I think if you if you come at business with that idea, try and make someone's life easier, try and solve a problem for for your customer, um, you'll always always do well. Um, anything that's that specifically surprised you in your journey as a founder? You know, moving from from your PhD research to to now founding founding and running a company. Anything that's that surprised you? Yeah, there there were like a lot of uh, a lot of obstacles that uh, I didn't expect that to happen, but it happened. It was like uh, those obstacles that uh, you know people uh, could just give up and don't continue. So it was a lot of operational things, a lot of you know administrative stuff that happened. Yeah, it's never it's never a straightforward path. Um, <laughs> there's this there's this phrase about it's uh, it's amazing how many nights it takes to be an overnight success right yeah. um you know people see the success people see the awards and that's that's great but you know, there's a huge amount of hard work and resilience that goes into that you know if we look ahead five ten years in the future what is it that you would want people to be to, to know about sepia what, what is it that you want people to be saying about sepia I want the people to know, like, uh, we started this company with the aim of uh, reducing the, the energy consumption and carbon emission globally while providing a solution that is more economical to our customers, reducing the cost of the product we use every day. So it's beneficial to the end users as well. So, yeah, I want to see this technology implemented in as many as industries as possible over the 10 years, reducing the carbon footprint of the world substantially. Thank you. I think reducing reducing costs uh, and bringing environmental benefits across multiple industries and multiple countries is is, is certainly a, a big ambition, uh, but one that we're we're very confident you will be able to to achieve. And we we of course wish you wish you the best of luck with that. So I think whilst we could continue talking on this subject for for a lot longer, uh, I do need to draw our, our discussion to a close. So thank you very much, Dr. Farhani and Dr. Osman, for joining me today. Your insights and perspectives have been fascinating. I'm sure our listeners will have enjoyed the conversation. If we are to tackle the most pressing global problem in human history, the world needs innovation and the world needs both individuals and corporations to drive this. Sepia is a fantastic example of how bold innovation, fresh ideas and a good dose of passion and energy can transform even very traditional industries and lead to a greener, more sustainable world. So thank you both very much again and do keep safe and well in the months ahead. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. This has been a special podcast in the Business Plan for the Planet series. More episodes will follow shortly, so please do keep an eye out for those. For more information on the programme, visit business.hsbc.com forward slash sustainability. 
thank you for joining us for HSBC Talks Business. To learn more about anything you heard today, please visit business.hsbc.com.